The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to SWOutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Um, all right, we're talking about preparing your students to leave your ministry. And what I want to do is I want to look at a, a couple of things. I want to look at the purpose behind what our student ministries um, need to be doing, like our, what, what the, how the student ministry serves the local church. And then I want to talk about some specific issues, uh, four specific issues that I think that we need to be on our radar as we're preparing our students to leave the ministry. Um, because at the end of the day, remember, um, they're, they're supposed to leave your ministry. That's the goal. Like, um, you know, I think it is, it's awesome to have students in there for a long time, but I mean, eventually we're launching them out into the world. And, um, and we want to do so in such a way that they're prepared to be in a society that hates them. They want to, we know that the world is getting continually more hostile to Christianity. And so we need to prepare our students for that. So first off, let's look um, in general, you know, the purpose of student ministry, I mean, it's a subset of the work of the local church, which I think is really important. I know that seems that seems pretty like common sense, self-explanatory. Oh, it's a purpose of the local church. Yeah, but I think a lot of times we wind up um, competing even against the local church. You know, so we want to see ourselves as part of the local church, that we are working towards the same goal as the church in general. You know, um, when, and so let's say that means we are not competing with church, the, the church body. Right? We're not competing with the church as a whole. Now, there's some, sometimes there becomes an unnecessary distinction between the student ministry and the church as a whole. Like, I can, and this happens even in really healthy student ministries. Like, there's a lot of student ministries that they want to take on an ownership of themselves, and they want to, they, they give themselves a name, you know, like, whatever, surge student ministries. Um, and what happens is we can sometimes have an unnecessary um, emphasis on just the student ministry that our students aren't realizing that they're part of the church body as a whole, right? And I think that's really important. The reason why I think this is so important is because we are constantly seeing students who are graduating from high school and are graduating from Christianity, right? They're, and I think a lot of it is they, they start to so identify with that student ministry that they don't realize that there is a larger body to be a part of. And now sometimes this is actually, um, it's kind of discouraging because for a lot of churches, the main, uh, the main life in the church is in the student ministry. We see that happen all the time. I mean, I think even statistically with healthy student ministries, you have a, high, a majority of students who are studying the Bible. And when you talk to pastors and you ask them, you know, how many, what percentage of adults in your church do you think are daily studying the Bible? And the percentages drop off. And I think if, if your church is one of those where there's more life in the student ministry, then we need to be investing in the rest of the church and finding ways for our students to be serving in the, in the church body. And again, you know, we saw this happen a lot, specifically listening to the testimony of student pastors through COVID, where a lot of churches shut down and the first people that started to meet again were the student ministries. That, that actually is pretty common. We, we saw that a lot. And I do think that there are areas in which the church body as a whole can grow from um, the overflow of what's happening in the student ministry. We're not, and we, we're not competing with other churches. You know, the goal, and, and again, the goal is not to just have a large youth group. Like, that's great, right? Having a lot of people in your ministry, is that good? Sure. I mean, because we do realize that every one of these students, they are um, eternal image bearers of God, right? These are eternal souls. 
Yes, but our goal shouldn't just be to make sure that we have the largest student, the largest student ministry, that we have more than whatever church down the street, and that we're, but because we need to really see ourselves as the church as a whole, active in the world, focused on evangelism and discipleship. And if that happens as a result of another student ministry, praise the Lord, right? And that's, that's huge. And I do think that sometimes there's an unnecessary weight placed on student pastors um, by the, the rest of the church. Like, oh, well, how come we don't have this, this number? Or you need, to set, you need to set a goal to have these many people here. Okay, yeah, but the goal is not a huge group of people. The goal is committed to the discipleship of the students that God has placed in our care. So we are committed to the students that God has placed in our care. Look, sit right there. And, and I think this is important. We want to focus on mature church members ready to serve the gospel and the mission of the local church, right? Because remember, you're trying to get them out of your student ministry. That's the goal. You're to, you want to send them from your student ministry with the proper like with the proper preparation so that they're ready for that. I think about this as a dad. Oh, by the way, all the notes are on the app. If you, you can just go to the app and while you're here and then break out notes, whatever. Anyway, so they're all there. Like I think about as a dad. So I've got four kids. My, my kids are, I've got three boys and a girl. They are 12, 10, 8, and 6. And my, 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 my goal, my wife and my goal is to get them out of the house. Like, and I don't mean that we don't like them. Most of the time, I really like most of my children. <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair, because there's some of the times where some of them, you'll see my kids. My kids are pretty crazy, and they'll be around the property, and they, uh, they don't have discernment. They have zero, zero discernment. That's their problem. And that's what we're working on, right? Because I want my kids to leave the house well. I am, and so I'm already preparing them now. You know, look, I will over and over the, what I, the, the scripture that I talk to, especially my boys with, because my boys are 12, 10, and 8, the scripture that we talk about the most is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I used to think like a child, speak like a child, reason like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so even right now, with my 12, 10, and 8-year-old, I will ask them, is this childish? Are you acting in a childish way? Because I don't want them to remain children. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that if we can have the same mindset towards our students, because at, at the most you'll have folks in your student ministry for six years, right? If you've got middle school and high school, six, maybe seven, depending on where you are. You've got, and depending on how sharp they are, um, maybe eight. But those are outliers. Those are exceptional students. And... Um, but so you're, and for the rest of their lives, the majority of their lives, they're not going to be in your student ministry, right? And we need to have that as a mindset so that we're focused on not just having a really healthy student ministry. Like the goal isn't to have a healthy student ministry. It's to disciple um, our students to be mature serving members of the church because that's where they're going to spend the rest of their lives. Uh, there's a guy who worked here like a decade and a half ago. His name was Adam Vincent, and he talked. To, he had a really good analogy for student ministry, and that's we're not trying to put together an NCAA championship, right? We're not just like a college team trying to get a championship, but we're more like a minor league team trying to uh, trying to prepare people for the major league. Like, because the goal, great. So you have the best student ministry ever, but if those students, once they leave there, they fall away and they're not involved in the church afterwards, that's not a success. 
Or you can have 100 students, but if they're not continuing to follow the Lord after they leave, then you haven't prepared them well for that. And I think what's crazy is, and this is where there's a, this is, this is a weird irony, is that I think that even in, I think especially in healthy student ministries, we have a danger that students will find their dependency on us or on our student ministry. I mean, think about it. If you have, if you have cultivated a, a student ministry that's focused on God's Word, where they can go there once, twice a week, and they can hear God's Word taught really well, then it's easy to just look to you for their source, for their religion. Like they can look to you for their understanding of the Bible and not for their own personal study of scripture. So I think even in healthy student ministries, we need to make sure that our students have a healthy dependency on God and his word and not on us and not on our student ministry. This is something that we're, we deal with here at camp. Like we'll have folks that'll be here, you know, for us, you know, for three months at a time or for like a year at a time. And our, we want to invest in them. We want them. We want to work alongside of them. We want to, you know, provide really good, healthy Christian community. We want to have the gospel like taught over them, and for them to be teaching and preaching the gospel themselves, but not so that they put their identity in Snowbird, because Snowbird isn't big enough for to 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 support them. It's not big enough for them to, to have a foundation. It's not big enough for their, internal, their, their eternal souls. And the same is true about our student ministry. Here's, no matter how great your student ministry is, it can't save anybody, right? It, it just can't. And so if they're dependent on you, and this is what I think happens over and over, right? If we, it's easy for our students to think, okay, there is somebody whose job, whether paid or volunteer, is my spiritual growth, right? I mean, that's, that's, we have, that's, you guys are here. You guys are the ones who are investing in these students. But then when they graduate from college, I mean, graduate from high school, they go to college, they're still looking for somebody to be responsible for their growth. Like, and again, I think that happens more often in healthy student ministries where they're being taught really well from God's word. And so we need to have, we need to have that. And, in the forefront of our minds that we don't want them to develop a dependency on us, but we want it to develop a, de- a dependency on, on God and his word. And then I think we need a paradigm shift. Here's a passage of scripture talking about the work of the church. And I think our students need to see, we, I talked about this some with, our, uh, with some of our staff um, yesterday. Seems like that was yesterday. Um, and I think we need to help our students understand where they fit in the work of the church. This is from Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse, verse 11. It says, And he, this is a Jesus, and Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So let's time out for just a second that this is the, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These are leaders in the church, right? So that's like us in this room. Y'all are fitting into these roles, and your job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry which that means that the student, the, the saints, that's the believers for Christians, right? It's the, the job of Christians to do the work of the ministry. When we talk about evangelism, discipleship, that's for every Christian. That's not just for professional Christians. That's not just for leaders in the church. That's everybody. And I think our students need to have a paradigm shift where they realize, oh, 
I'm the saint needing to do the work of the ministry. Because when this is working well, it says for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. This is talking about like this is what discipleship looks like in the body, right? And that and every one of us has a part to play so that we're all being built up. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And then it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, we need, our students need to take ownership of the fact that they are the saints, that they need to be doing the work of the ministry. And we need to help switch this concept of a consumeristic understanding of scripture i mean a consumeristic understanding of the church and that they are supposed to be active serving in the church because if the body if every member of the body isn't working well the body doesn't work and our students need to understand that they are important members of the body does that make sense and then unless it's working together it's not working properly Right. And then so here's we need to be future focused. Um, and then this is where I think I think that we do need to have a paradigm shift for our students to realize that they need to not draw their identity from the from your student ministry, but from in their relationship with the Lord and from God and his word. And then we need to help them understand that they need to be doing the work. They need to be actively serving. And then here I want to look at four different areas um, that I think that we need to do a good job preparing our students for this is where i think the battleground is ideologically for our students right now um, and hopefully my goal is this year to give some more resources um, in each each of these four areas but this is going to suffice for now and then we have I, I do have some resources i'll share with you at the end um, number one is identity man our culture is undergoing a huge identity crisis right now right i mean we we don't know what it means to be a human being we don't know. We, we, we can't figure this out. Um, and so we don't know where our value, where our dignity comes from. And because of that, I mean, we're, our culture is just messed up. And there's a guy, uh, the guy who I think is doing the best work in this right now is a guy named Carl Truman. Carl Truman is a professor of, at, and a pastor in Pennsylvania, and he wrote two books that are super helpful. Um, the first one is one called Strange New World. Strange New World is a really helpful, kind of a shorter book talking about how we've gotten to the, the world that we're in right now, what's happened ideologically to shift to where we are now, where we have given, we've, getting, we've gotten rid of any, um, any foundation um, that's overarching and, uh, and that, that gives us an actual understanding of who we are. And what we've done is we have elevated self instead of natural and special revelation. All right, it's, it's huge. And then if you get a chance, if you can read that book, then he also wrote a book a year before that that's a lot bigger. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And it's also, I mean, just more comprehensive. But here's what's happening. I think that our students are our students are going into a world where people don't know what it means to be a human being. They don't, have, they don't have an understanding of identity. And as believers, we do have an understanding of identity, right? If they're, if they're a human being, they've been created in the image of God, right? That's big, right? We're talking about eternal souls created to have a relationship with God that has value and dignity because they are image bearers of God. We are a special creation separate from the rest of the natural world because we are image bearers of God. And if they're Christians, they've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. 
Right? So where, where do we find our identity? We find our identity first off in the fact that God has made us as a special creation, as an eternal image bearer. And secondly, like we have, we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That's what, should, that's what can ground our identity, right? And because what's happening in our culture is the, the, what the culture has done is it has replaced this natural revelation, like who what God has created us to be, and special revelation, what we see in His Word, has, has replaced that with the authority of the self so that now it doesn't matter what there's no objective outside standard it's whatever you feel about who you are that's the truth but it's what's crazy is it's a slippery slope because it goes from this is my truth right and then but if it's going to be my truth you have to recognize it not only do you have to recognize it you have to you have to celebrate it and that's what's happening and so uh, anyone in our culture, and this is what's crazy, is that someone can say, this is my truth, this is who I am, and you need to accept it and celebrate it, and the rest of our culture just claps along and says, that's right. Why? Because what's happened? We've, we've, given, we've gotten rid of the authority of the natural and special rev- revelation. So we need to have our students prepared, okay, with where their identity comes from, and not just where their identity comes from, but where everyone else's identity comes from as well. Like, I can... I can I can love and accept people who have different beliefs. Why? Because they are created in the image of God for a relationship with Him. And that's where their dignity lies, not in how they identify or what they self-identify as. Um, Next, the Christian worldview. We need to help our students. We're sending them to a world that hates them. Right? I mean, that's... Jesus said it. If this world hates me, if you follow me, they're going to hate you too. And, And we need to help them be prepared to understand that the Christian worldview is the only worldview that actually answers all of the questions that it's supposed to while being internally and externally consistent, right? That the world that we live in is exactly, exactly what you would expect if the Bible is true. That's huge, right? Because what are they going to do? They're going to go to a place and they're going to hear a bunch of objections to Christianity that sound super slick and they sound really new and exciting. Like, oh man, I, no one's ever thought of this before, right? But what we need to, and, we, and here's the deal, when we prepare them to leave our ministry, we cannot, you do not have the time, and most of us don't have the ability to answer every question that they're going to face. We don't have that. But you know what we can do? We can lay this foundation that helps them understand that Every argument against Christianity has already been, has already been uh, leveled against Christianity and answered. It's just, it has. There are no new arguments that are coming up against Christianity. So in reality, we don't need some sort of crystal ball to answer these questions. We just need a history book. Like that, and that our students, if they can have this as a foundation, then they're more prepared for the attack. If you know that you've got the best armor out there, if someone fires something at you, that's okay. You know, so we can give them this, I, this, we can help them have confidence knowing that Christianity does have the answers, and then we can help give them resources to figure out, okay, what are those answers? Um, next is relationships. Man, right now, you know, we live in a super sex-saturated society, and our students don't know, what, don't know how to deal with um, relationships with the opposite sex. They don't, know, they don't know how to deal with that. And so what we need to do is we need to bring all this into conformity, what it means to be a believer, right? We, we need to follow God's word so that we need to have a, we need to put relationships, whether it's friendship, community, dating, or marriage, we need to have that um, submitted to the word of God. And so we're talking about romantic relationships. We need to highlight marriage. 
We need to focus on marriage. Marriage is a picture of the gospel, right? And that when, um, when our relationships uh, with your relationship with the opposite sex is mimicking marriage. And if it's mimicking marriage, then we need to make sure that we're holding it to that standard, that marriage is the normative way that God is operating in the world and all of our relationships need to be seen underneath that. Um, we also, I think it's super important for us to involve parents because, and to help disciple parents in this. Because there's a lot of parents that instead of like focusing on the future and on marriage are just so focused on right now, like who are you dating now? Or who do you like? You know, who's the most attractive person in your class? Man, we need to just make sure we're focusing on what we need to be focusing on. And then also I think it's super important that we teach about sex in such a way that is, a, that is healthy, that honors the Lord, and that avoids the two ditches of, of shame and selfishness. Right, because I think again, even in healthy student ministries, we have we have done such a intentional job of forcing our students away from premarital sex that we have now associated shame with sexual activity. Right, and and so what I see all the time. I mean, I've been working here for like 23 years ish as my 23rd summer. And I've worked with a bunch of folks who are all, you know, like marriageable age and they'll get and I'll, I'll do a lot of premarital counseling, a lot of weddings and then a lot of like early marriage counseling where for a lot of people, they've grown up in the church and they've been told sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. So that when they get married, even when they are in the proper context for sex, they have this idea of shame. And we need to that's that's not good. Right? We need to teach the goodness of sex, but teach that its, that its goodness is in the proper context. And then we also need to be really careful that we don't enforce um, this an idea of, of selfishness. Because that's where our culture is at. Our culture is trying to um, elevate sex and say, this is the best thing ever for you. This is for you. It's for your satisfaction, for your pleasure. Well, the problem with that is then they finally get into a marriage and they're only looking for their own satisfaction and not serving their spouse. And that is a train wreck in marriage. Right? So we need to be teaching our students the goodness and value of sex in marriage in the proper context so that we can help them see this as a way of avoiding these two, ditch, these two ditches of shame and selfishness. And the last thing I want to talk about is the church. And we need our students to understand that Jesus died to save the church. That the church is his bride. And we need to help them love the church and love the church well. And what's important is we want to help cultivate and love in our students for the church and help them be actively serving in the church before they leave our ministry. Right? If we can help students realize, okay, we are a part of this body, that you are the saint that, is, that I am trying to equip for the work of the ministry. Now, where are you going to get plugged in? Your students, even middle school students, they can find a place to serve in the local church. Middle school, all the way up through when they leave your ministry so that they realize that it gets ingrained to them. I am a part of this local body that I'm supposed to be doing my part and that my part is helpful for the work of the church, right? Because think about that, that's back to that first mindset we were talking about. If our students see themselves as active members of the body of Christ, like equal and important, right? You don't have to be, um, a, you don't have to be married or a parent to be involved in the ministry of the church be, because we're qualified 
to be members of the church by our, by our profession of faith. Right? If you're a Christian, you are already a body part. And so we need to help our students realize they need to be active in that. Because think about what would happen if, compare the two scenarios. If, uh, like, um, if you've got a student who is dependent on your, on your student ministry, that maybe they're active and involved, great. They do stuff with the student ministry and you've put them in a small group, you've got them, uh, they're being invested into, and they see the church as something that's for them, right? Well, when they go off to school, what are they going to do? They're going to try to find, hopefully there's a college minister or a college ministry that's going to be invested in them. And if that's not there, then where are they? Right? They don't know their place. Whereas if you have a student that has been cultivated, oh man, you're an active member of this body. Where are you serving? And they're talking about where they're serving. And, they're, and they, they realize, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be working in the body. I'm supposed to be functioning well or else the church doesn't work well. Well, they, then when they go off to school or somewhere else, they move away. Their first idea is, where do I get involved? Where do I serve? Right? And so what we're doing is we're preparing them by right now being a part of the, the body now so that when they leave, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to leave your ministry. They're either going to leave your ministry and they're going to stay in town and you want them to be active continually. They can continue to serve in the ministry, whatever ministries they're serving in. Or you want them to move away when they go, go off to college somewhere and find a place to serve so that they're grounded. Because, man, we are, we're losing too many of our students. We're losing students when they're in these transitions in life, when they're, leaving, when they're leaving high school, when they're going away to college, they're starting with a clean slate, and they don't, if they don't have these, if they don't have it ingrained in them, man, I'm an active member, I'm important, I need to be a part of a body, then, then there's nothing to keep them there. And so we need to make sure that they have a healthy dependence on God and His Word and not on you and not on your student ministry. We need to encourage an active service instead of consumerism. And then lastly, these are some resources. Um, I already mentioned Strange New World. I think Strange New World right now, it's like it's one of the best books. That's the end of that sentence. It's one of the best books. It's so good. I, I, you know, especially, this is the shortened version of the longer ones called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And it's obvious Truman has spent most of his life preparing for this book. And it, you, we're getting to see what's happening in the culture around us and helps us better understand how we need to be, um, how we need to be doing ministry in this culture. Because in our culture now, it's different than where it's, where it's ever been. Um, our, our, we're rap, we have a rapidly changing culture. And part of our job is to help our students understand how God's unchanging word can be applied in this ever-changing culture, right? Um, there's another book called Sex, Dating, Relationships. This is built, um, this, is, this is written on a student level. I think it's one of the best books written on a student level, and it's about sex, dating, and relationships. Um, next is a book called Shot of Faith to the Head. Um, this is also, this actually really is creatively named. It's by a guy named Mitch Stokes. He's a professor of a school in Idaho, and it's a really good, helpful, like, graspable under, uh, way of helping you defend your faith. It gives you a good, I mean, every chapter has like a, a section called for your arsenal. How are you going to answer when people are objecting to Christianity? And then Life Together is one of the best books about the church. Just, it's just really good talking about our, how, how we are created to be a part of this body and how you're, we're going to feel something missing unless we are being a part of the body of Christ. And that's where our students need to understand they are active 
members of the body and if they're not fulfilling their role then the body is not working well and if we can help students understand that then i think we can help save them and help them actually grow into mature church members wherever they wind up whether it's our, our church or not thanks for listening we hope this has encouraged you in your walk with christ be sure to give us a rating and review and for more snowbird content check out our other podcast no sanity required